Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 20, 25, fourth middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. folks, welcome back to Viva La Cats, the Cincinnati podcast representing the 1012 Network. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. And we cover all things Bearcats every single week in our episodes releasing on Wednesdays, as well as our post-game reviews, which we did not do this week on Twitter because it's the beginning of the season and it's EKU. Uh, it's pretty easy. So speaking of EKU, we're going to kick it off right there, Steve. What came out of that game? Well, Emory Jones lighting up the damn scoreboard and being named Offensive Player of the Week and Newcomer of the Week in the Big 12. So, Justin, I'd say some of those offensive concerns that I talked about were assuaged this past yes, weekend. Yes, absolutely. And all, all concerns are qualmed now for the rest of the season. After beating EKU, we are fully confident in this offense and have no question marks left. As the SEC shorts guys said, everything that went right for us in this game will happen right for us all season until we win the championship. And that we will. That we will uh, when we're very scared of reaching bowl eligibility at the end of the season. Hopefully not. Hopefully things go well. According to current rankings in the Big 12, um, your Bearcats are actually sitting in the top half and not just sitting in the top half. They're sitting in the top five. Uh, and that's all we're going to say about that because that is a legit stat. Uh, and that is something that carries weight. Uh, so let's just leave that there. But going back to EKU, um, 
this was a very, very fun game to watch. Um, it, and I think it was a very fun game to watch for a Bearcats fan. If you're like me, if you're like Steve, if you're like the grand majority of Bearcats fans who sat through the entire off season from the day we hired Scott Satterfield and said, what do we have? What do we have on this team? Like what, what should I think of this team? They gave you a lot of things to be confident about. They gave you a lot of things to be excited about a lot of highlight plays. I, was clipping the game as I usually do. And I'm telling you every single time I finished a clip, I'm starting to record another one and do another. Like it was just full of touchdowns, highlight plays, defense, everything end to end offense, defense were working. So um, it was a lot of fun to watch, but from the very top, Opening drive at the logo. Emery laid out a perfectly placed lob to Xavier Henderson for a 50-yard touchdown. That really reminded me of the classic like Des Ritter to Tyler Scott uh, that we'd open up with a nipper. We did it like probably four or five times um, when those two were playing with each other. And it, it was like, it's just fun because you open that up and you're just waiting for that like streaky run where it's like, all right, we're just going to break away and go score and get some confidence, get some, you know, momentum going and it happens super fast. Um, and, and so speaking on Embry as well, he's mobile, man. Like, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I think he fits perfectly into the scheme. Again, he's kind of that Malik Cunningham model type that Scott or, or Scott Satterfield likes. Um, and, and so he really showed his mobility in this game. And, and I think like, there weren't a lot of times that he was necessarily getting rushed. I mean, there was a few there here and there. Um, there were some, you know, tackles for loss. There were a, a couple sacks here and there, but it, it looked, it looked better than it did a lot of times last year. Granted, a lot of times last year, you got a different quarterback. You got a different O-line. You got a whole different situation, but against DKU, it looked good. Um, as far as, um, you know, some of the offensive side of this, uh, we did get beat over the middle, um, but it, it's, it, you know, I think it, I think it kind of quelled sort of throughout the game. I, I think the defense def definitely didn't show its complete dominance, but they, they showed that they're good in their quality and we really shouldn't be concerned about them. Um, it, it wasn't a defensive show the whole game. It was more of an offensive show, which I think is where most of our concern lied too. You're on mute, Steve. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, would you say, Justin, that that is like a uh, part of just the defense, like first game kind of thing? Or is that more just indicative of what we might see uh, for the rest of the season? I mean, I, I think coming back to some points that I've mentioned uh, before about where our defense could be exposed, I, I think there were some concerns about some of that just, you know, throwing the ball over the middle, throwing the ball out to the sides. Like I don't think necessarily on like deep balls, like it was just like, you know, we're, we're having major concerns there, but I, I think really it was just overall, they seem pretty tight knit and pretty sound. There's just a few little gaps here and there that I think they could work on. And really, like I said, I think it kind of comes down to first game. They'll gel and they'll get it figured out. Um, Danny G man, that guy is a monster. Uh, and, and he showed it, you know, even in this first game, like he found his way to snake back through, uh, make some great tackles. And uh, I think a lot of those like question marks that we might have had about some of the new guys, not necessarily like, um, you know, if they're good or not, it's just how would they gel in this and how would they adapt to the scheme? Um, I, I think it worked. I mean, it's it showed that it worked against EKU. Uh, we'll see how that works against Pitt. But um, 
Dustin, yeah. real quick, let me let me plug. Um, we do have on our show, and we went on theirs a little home and home action. Uh, the Loyal Sons, a Pittsburgh Panthers podcast. Uh, we went on with Dylan, had a great time. Uh, got to talk to Squid for just a second before he had to go, <laughs> but um, got to do a little cordial shit talk back and forth <laughs> with them. So definitely listen to our show, and if you want to hear the pit side of things, listen to their show. But uh, that'll probably be coming Justin on the back half of this yeah back half but yeah definitely like that was that was great to have someone with the pit perspective on um had a good conversation about it so you'll hear that later but sorry it's already cut you off Justin. no you're good i mean i'm i'm still i i'm i'm there's a lot of things that happen in this game so it's you know is what it is of course we didn't do our post game recap uh so naturally you'd find that on spaces and we try to like boil this down a little bit tighter but um regardless i think some of the other highlights of course the wide receiver room uh looks sound looks absolutely sound um and and i i really do think even though you're playing eku you're seeing a lot of the athleticism of some of these guys and you're seeing some of the versatility of options uh which is definitely a big thing to key into going forward um you know especially you never know what the season's going to throw at you if there could be injuries if there could be um you know guys who might you know, not be doing so hot one game. If you can have some interchangeability in that wide receiver room, that's really good, especially considering how much loss there was in the off season and how much more just plug and play there was uh, and not really knowing what to expect. So they gave us a lot to be excited for there. Of course, to also add Bearcats uh, that scored touchdowns, you could damn near count 10 of them. You got almost two full hands worth of Bearcats scoring touchdowns, which I think is insane considering that Emory Jones was a part of seven of those touchdowns, uh, which really shows you how dominant the Bearcats were in this game end to end. Um, but again, I mean, between the running back room getting really involved, Ryan Montgomery, Kiner running super hard. Sorry, Miles Montgomery. I mean, Ryan Montgomery was in there too a little bit, but uh, the running back room as a whole, I, I think was sound and that, that definitely did show that there's some potential there. Kiner put up a lot of yards in this game. Um, he was very, very much uh, a part of pushing the ball forward, which I think is going to be important for us. You know, having that, I, I, I'm still curious to see how this works out throughout the season. If Kiner's really going to be the bell cow, or if we're going to try to play like two guys back, um, you know, kind of swap them between downs. Um, or if this is just going to be a one man kind of show as far as running backs go. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we got to see all four guys run um, this past game. So that was really nice as well. Um, overall, I mean, is it time to get excited about this team's potential? Are we, are we, is it time to get, is it time to get crazy? Is it, is it time to, is it time to say stupid stuff or should we just pump the brakes a little bit? Um, I, I believe so. I believe it's time to say the fun stuff because, you know, want to know, going into a big game against a former big East rival, a team that we're pretty familiar with. I, I don't know why you can't just be like just excited and just have fun for this little period of time, because I mean, we're, we're not promised anything. We're not, we're not sure if this team's going to really be like nine or 10 wing good as we were in the past. It's a little bit different spot for us. You know, we're, we're going to be the underdogs. We're not really expected to do much. And when on the other hand, the past few years, we're expected to do a lot. I think the weight of those expectations being off now, Justin, mm-hmm. it allows for this fan base to just go have some fun. That's like true. talk some crap without any like without <laughs> reckless abandon. Like just go enjoy it, man. See, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but this is actually you make up a really good point there because 
the amount of times of the past few years where it's like, you want to talk shit, but if you lose, you are screwed because like you're supposed to win. This time, it's like, we can talk as much shit as we want because ultimately, if we lose, it's like, ah, well, you were supposed to win anyway. Joke's on you. You know, so, I mean, it's not as much pressure, but sorry. Go well, ahead. yeah, and also, dude, no, I agree, I agree with that completely. And it's also nice to be able to, like, you know, talk some crap to another team's fans without only three of them responding, like, <laughs> as we've talked about. Pitt, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of niceties said by the fans and the and the teams this, this week, but, um, you know, it it's just fun to talk about what this team could potentially be. And, you know, obviously, Justin, I want to mention this real quick with the Baylor loss and how bad they looked on Saturday, they're coming in at Nippert stadium. Maybe you got a shot there. Oklahoma state still figuring out their quarterback situation. I don't believe that they're going to be bad just because of they were figuring out their quarterbacks, but you never know. Uh, Iowa state did look a little bit better, but that was against uh, Northern Iowa. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're not going to play against TCU and Texas tech, but, they both lost on Saturday. Neither of them conference games, so it does not matter. But I tweeted this out on Saturday night, Justin, with the Will Ferrell meme where he's like just rubbing his uh, chin looking into the camera. But is it possible, Justin, that we could be one of the better teams in this league? Maybe better is not a way to say good say that. Let me rephrase it. Is it possible, Justin, that we are a good team in this league? Um. Yes. And can I, can I give you a hot, hot, uh, little bit here that I'm actually finding out as we go Hit me with it. Okay. So at Pitt Bearcats, according to ESPN's matchup predictor, this is what we're going with here at Pitt, not favored Miami. Is it a question? Of course, the Bearcats are favored Oklahoma at home, not favored. However, on the road at BYU Bearcats, 65% favorites now. And Iowa State. Th- yeah, that's another one, Justin. They played really poorly, and they only yes. beat Sam Houston State by by two touchdowns. And we just talked with a pit guy who said Keaton Slovis was not very good. Correct. Two points. There, there you go. To UC's favor. Iowa State. What are the Bearcats? Take a guess. They are 55%? 65% favorites. Baylor, Interesting. take a guess. 70. 65% favorites. <laughs> Oklahoma State, take a guess. On the road. 65? 55% favorites. Really? UCF. Take a guess. Um, I'm going to say we're 65% favorites. 46. We're yeah. we're getting in there, but Houston, 61%. Okay. West yeah, Virginia. Yeah, they didn't look great either. 66%. Oh, yeah, they look And bad. Kansas, 78%. So right now, what ESPN's matchup predictor is saying that we are going to lose to Pitt, we're going to lose to Oklahoma, and we're going to lose to UCF. We are going to win out the entire rest of that schedule. So that is Nine, one, three. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. So takes what stock you want in that, but there is a bit of a high from the media on the Bearcats right now, and I'm sure it will be quelled after this weekend. Hey, they were telling us to play a power five schedule and now we're going to play it. We're finally getting that respect. Yeah, that's true. We we play EKU and now we're suddenly going to be, <laughs> uh, we're, we're potentially competing for the big 12 championship. I, I don't think it, it will be that way. I'm still trying to just temper my expectations and say that six is still a good number, but 
I mean, just watching the offense play well and the other teams around the league not do as well as expected, it, it leads you to think it's possible that UC could be a little bit better than the so-called experts think. Yes, indeed. So, Justin, I wanted to do a little stat breakdown for us. Uh, shout out to GameOnPaper.com. If you're ever interested in any of like the advanced stuff that uh, – about UC or any other game. They have every game, I think, for the past 15 years, and they just take ESPN data uh, from the game and the stats and make make some analytical uh, and not-so-analytical takeaways from it. So uh, the Bearcats average nine yards a play. Pretty good, I'd say, if you're trying to average three yards a play to, to get a first down. Nine is pretty good. 15 yards a pass play, six yards a run play. Obviously, that is... Uh, uh, incentive uh, pushed up by those two 40 yard plus passes and uh, and Emory just being pretty good um, on Saturday six yards of run play to Justin um, I saw Corey Kiner had uh, the fourth most uh, con- uh, rushing yards after first contact per attempt this weekend he was dogging that I know but yeah yeah I I told you all to watch out for Corey Kiner not getting much talk and hey I know it's just EKU but he looked pretty good um 57% success rate for the offense, obviously EKU, you know, that's like, that's very good, but still pretty impressive to see uh, EPA without explosive plays for EKU, a negative 20, a four negative 14 with, they only scored 13 points and they didn't, uh, what, Justin, when did they score their touchdown? Was that like right before halftime, uh, five, like second quarter, I think. I'd have to look back on that. I, I there was so much Bearcats scoring. I honestly forget. <laughs> yeah. But uh, a 39% stop rate for the defense, pretty good again. Obviously, this still comes against the number 177th ranked team in all of D1, according to the Sagarin rankings. Um, there are about 290 teams in all of D1, including that's FBS and FCS. So, again, placing the grain of salt on my shoulder and then taking it immediately off. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati is now number 30 in FPI, number 42 in Sagarin, 38 in SP+. Our upcoming opponents, Pitt, number 28 in FPI and SP+, number 33 in Sagarin. So as I mentioned on the Pitt podcast that you'll hear later, uh, Pitt is about a seven-point favorite, but if you get that seven-and-a-half-point line, uh, I would take that for UC. Mm -hmm. Maybe even a little money line sprinkle, too. It's. I mean, it's... Like Luis, we talked with uh, we we talked with Loyal Sons guys on this too, but this is a very tempting uh, weekend to uh, put some money on the cats, just because it it could go anyway. It, it really could, and I, I though Pitt is favored here, um, you know, this is the measuring stick game for the Bearcats. I, I mean, for the entire rest of the season, you know, I think week one unfortunately can't really be a measuring stick game for 90% of teams. Um, unless you're like an LSU or a Clemson who gets the measuring stick game. And um, well, the truth comes out very fast. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it's one of those situations where I think for the Bearcats, you look at this game against Pitt and you, you look at what the implications are late season. Um you know, you win this game, this is a swing game for the Bearcats because you expect to beat Miami. And if you don't, you've got some real problems. You have some real, real, real problems if you can't beat Miami. But 
you expect to you expect to beat Miami. So if you win this pit game, you gather one against maybe Iowa State, gather one against Baylor, who really did not look good losing to Texas State there. Uh, you gather one against Kansas or a West Virginia or a Houston at the end. You know, this is that swing game where that's your number six if you're not having a great season and you're looking to find a bowl eligible team. Um, and so I think there's a lot, like I said, of late season implications just riding on this one game. But on top of that, in the early season, it lets you know what you can expect going into a game like Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma, of course, blew out their opponent 73 to zip, which is just incredible. Great for you. Sad um, Butch Jones made me happy. Yeah, sad Butch Jones for sure. That was that was rough. Like I honestly kind of felt bad for him. Like I, and don't. I don't usually feel bad for a Butch Jones. I never feel bad for a Brian Kelly. Uh, I never feel bad for a Tommy Tuberville. And I will absolutely never feel bad for Luke Fickle ever again. Sorry, the bird the bridges are all burned there. But you know, Butch Jones, like being comforted by a player, that's a tough scene, man. Did he hold the rope when he was holding that 73 nothing L? <laughs> Did he represent the C when he was representing Arkansas State in that 73 nothing L? Uh, Sorry. I'm just not I a butch GM. I mean, credit to Venables. He's got it figured out. That that I mean, just took them and manhandled them, but that's besides it the is point. Arkansas State and Butch Jones coaching them. This but is yes, true. Fair enough. This is true. But again, you know, playing this game against Pitt, you have a bit of a uh, you're going to figure out what you should expect against Oklahoma. And you're going to figure out whether or not you think the Bearcats should be in this game or whether or not you think the Bearcats should be trying to play catch up the whole time or trying to just stay in it. Um, And that's, that's really my biggest concern here is if I feel like that confidence meter is going to go down pretty quick. If this game is not, close if it's if it's a you know one score game at the end which i think we all kind of expect it to be um i think that's great uh even if it's if it comes out to a win if it comes out to a loss you know either way like the win i think is favorable the loss is sort of kind of been an expectation for a while but i think riding off the high of eku maybe we should expect to win this game. Do you think that's fair? I mean, because we talked about this again, you will get more in depth on this later, but you do get Satterfield in this game, which is a huge advantage going into it. So Satterfield, knowing Narduzzi, knowing Pitt, we know Narduzzi, we know those schemes and he's not one to change. I mean, I think there are some advantages here to take advantage of Pitt and possibly pull out a win on the road. See, the difference though, is that obviously uh, Pitt had Keaton Slovis last year, which uh, does make me a little bit more excited for the BYU game that we are going to <laughs> after uh, he, his performance. And then I watched the highlights of that Pitt game and man, he threw some horrendous balls. And so, <laughs> you know, it makes me feel a little bit better about that BYU game. Um, Phil Dracovic though, I do smart guy, you know, Notre Dame, Boston college. Uh, I guess there's smart people at Pitt too. Um, he, uh, he, like we just talked to those guys. They said he's looking like Ben Roethlisberger and <laughs> I'm scarred by just watching Ben Roethlisberger dice up the Bengals too many times. So if, if the offensive line is able to protect him, then maybe it might be a long day. Justin, you're not listening to the own, your own podcast that you're on though. Justin, what did I say? No expectation. <laughs> just talk trash without anything behind it. <laughs> I, come on. Like, you know, I now eat like shit Hummer, pit. It, now, if you're like Hummer, shout out Hummer, you, you're going to expect us to win every game because, you know, you think Cincinnati's good enough to win every game. And 
while I really appreciate that mindset, I just want to be a little bit more realistic about it. Did so, he not take the, I thought he took the under on the Bearcats. Yeah, but uh, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, but but you can't expect it. You can't take the under and expect it. I tried to make the game. point about Satterfield as a bridge coach and that we're not as crazy as Ohio State. And he took offense to not being as crazy as Ohio State. And he said, we should be crazy. And I'm like, well, that's oh, fair. OK, that so if you like if you're like Hummer and you think every fan should be crazy, then you should be expecting a win this Saturday. If you're like me, no expectations. Just get to enjoy the game. Maybe not. Don't expect to win. Just to, just be interested in seeing what happens and seeing how a good pit team. I, I don't know if they're top 25 good, but they're still a good solid team. Narduzzi's got a good program over there. See how this new Bearcats lineup stacks up against Pitt. Well, let me, let me just run back here. Just a hot second. Let's, let's go over exactly what this stat line was, because I think it was kind of interesting and I just want to know if this is going to carry over even in some remote fashion to Pitt. Um, Emory Jones, seven total touchdowns, five passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, 345 yards, and zero interceptions. Um, I don't care if you're playing an FCS team. That little snippet there, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. What that shows you is that somebody has the ability to do a little bit of everything. Uh, and so, you know, I think that we've got some major advantages here. Like I've said, you know, mentioned before, I think when you look at the wide receiver room, when you look at, you know, kind of where our defense expectations are, I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, Steve, but personally, I think we should be expecting that this we can win this game. I wouldn't say that. How about we put it this way? I don't think we should expect to win this game. This but is a safe can. side. I think we should expect that we can win this game. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I'm this I'm, it's I'm not a it's yeah. not a no no bars held, but this is like we should be in this game. We should be in this game to the end, you know, to the final whistle. This should be yeah. a one score game. Should not be that should be I the agree. expectations, regardless yeah. of how it finishes out. Um I do have uh, one thing that I want to hit here before we jump over to our Bearcat sports wrap up. We have Scott's Tots. Scott's Tots is a fitting new segment for Viva La Cats where we will be taking your votes and applying them to our show to tell you who you voted for as your MVPs of the week. Uh, so, uh, the first, the first part of this, uh, of course, um, I think if your if your quarterback wins Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Week and Big Twelve Newcomer of the Week, I think you have to pick him. So, uh, Emory Jones won ninety three percent of the ninety four percent of the popular vote here uh, versus the field for the Bearcats as Player of the Game. So, congratulations, Emory Jones, you are the Bearcats, Scotts, you are Scotts tot. Number one tot. Um, as far as the Bearcats rushing and receiver playing rushing and receiving player of the game, screwing this up. Um, the consensus vote was Xavier Henderson. Should we call him Xavier Henderson or is it Egg Xavier Henderson? Well, you know, I'm always gonna call that other school Egg Xavier, but um, I, I think you're fine to do the 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 little X with the Z on the end. So, Xavier. Uh, yeah. Xavier. Okay. Xavier. I just call him Hendo Ocho, baby. 
Hendo Ocho. There you go. Fitting name. Or the X-Man. Either one. But yeah, I like Hendo Ocho. There's, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of nicknames if this guy keeps lighting it up the way he did. But uh, congratulations, Hendo Ocho. You are another one of Scott's tots. Uh, Bearcats defensive player of the game. <laughs> We're going to have to get used to these names, man. I'm going to screw this up. Because I heard the broadcast guys saying this differently than I've known. Danny, Danny G, we're giving it to you. You are Scott's Tots defensive player of the game. I'm saying Greasyak, but I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation. Greasyak. Greasyak. Okay. That will be the proper pronunciation. But I like I like Danny G, though. You know, if we're doing the mafia theme, you know, yeah. Danny G. <laughs> Danny G, you are Scott's Tot defensive player of the week. And for the final, Scott's Tot defensive player of the week. Or sorry, uh, Scott's. Wow, this is. You can tell this is a first-time segment. For the final, Scott's Tot of the Week for special teams. Uh, the clear winner, unfortunately, Mason Fletcher was not really in this one because Mason Fletcher had to do absolutely nothing except punt one time in this entire game, which was even surprising at that. Uh, I think he still boomed it when he did, so congrats to you. But the winner, Carter Brown, going for a 46-yard field goal and going 9-for-9 nine nine on extra points. So for those of you who have been concerned about the boot for the past two years, we got a long season, but you might not have to worry about much. I think we're in safe hands here or safe feet, safe, safe. Yeah. Safe feet. We're in safe feet. Well, actually. Okay. You know, you're all state. You're in safe hands. This is not a free ad for all state, but all state hands catch the ball. So congratulations. All Carter Brown. The show. You are the final Scott tot of the week. Uh, yeah. So that's that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Justin longer segment than it needed to be. I know. No, we need Mr. Scott. Was he going to do to make our dreams come true? And we need to recap it every week, (laughs) Justin. We need to let the people know because if Scott is not going to tweet out, uh, by the way, Justin, I do like that. uh, Satterfield runs his own Twitter clearly. And like the, uh, you know, cause fickle did not uh, shocker. I know, but um, (laughs) uh, Luke fickle was not tweeting out happy birthday every day to all the players on his roster. But you know, uh, I do like that that sad does that by his by himself. But um, anyway, speaking of Bearcat sports that were on campus and around campus competing in red and black this weekend, cross country, we asked you all to do some work in Miami, and you did. Shout out to Tyler Worth for finishing first in the Red Hawk Rumble with a time of 18 minutes and one second in the 6K race and being named Big 12 Runner of the Week. Men finished first and women finished second in the event. So, Justin, pretty good sign ahead of the victory belt game coming up. Volleyball. Zeta Washington was named Big 12 Rookie of the Week for her performance in the Golden Eagle Tournament. Five kills a match. Pretty dang good. Bearcats won uh, five kills a set. I'm sorry. Pretty pretty dang good. Bearcats won the tournament to advance to 5-1 and on the season and will host South Carolina in two huge matches this weekend at Fifth Third Arena. Get out there if you can. Soccer, Bearcats were unfortunately unable to secure a win against Michigan teams this past week, earning a draw against Central Michigan at home, and then going up to Ann Arbor and unfortunately losing one nothing. They will play at Butler Thursday before hosting Pitt Sunday, so maybe we can do the double this weekend, Justin. Finally, we're going to finish up with the golf teams. Men's golf finished fifth in the Marquette Inger Intercollegiate this weekend. That just wrapped up on Tuesday, and we'll play next at Knoxville in the Tennessee Invitational this upcoming weekend. Women's golf will start off their season by hosting the Jennifer Duke Invitational this upcoming Monday and Tuesday at Los Santaville Country Club. So 
if you're interested in watching some college golf, get on out there and support our Bearcats. Support them, Kitty Cats. This has been a uh, very fun little wrap-up and start to the season. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be excited for if you're a Bearcats fan. Um, and again, uh, if you don't have ESPN+, Plus. If you haven't had it before, just get it now. I mean, the Bearcats are playing a lot of Big 12 teams. Watch your other sports. Support your other sports. Support volleyball. Support soccer. Support everything you can. Um, and, and because I think that really does, you know, we, we tend to focus so much on football and basketball. Um, but there is a lot of other quality games going on throughout uh, Bearcats Athletic Department. So make sure to focus in on those. We really do want to prop those up. Um as far as what we've got for the rest of you guys, again, um, we are bringing on the, well, I guess the Loyal Sons actually brought us on to their show. So uh, we're thankfully uh, able to have that recording with them too. So that will be following this up here. Uh, just giving you guys a little bit of a preview, um, just a few topics kind of around the trophy that is no longer being uh, had apparently and uh, kind of expectations for this game this week, um, as well as some little past annotations. So, um, it should be a fun one, but please stay tuned for that. Um, and, and we'll see what happens this week, man. I think there's a lot of potential for the Bearcats. I think they've got a legit shot. And if you start two and oh, you're hoping to walk into Miami and, you know, take care of business in your non-conference. It's a much different outlook for the season really fast. So, um, we'll see what happens. Looking forward to it, Justin. Uh, it's a big weekend. I hope we're playing Sweet Caroline in the post-game spaces, <laughs> all singing Eat Shit Pit. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Should be a lot of fun. Um, and, and so with that, we'll uh, leave you guys off to uh, the interview there um, between us and the Loyal Sons guys from Pitt. So thank you for listening this week. And uh, be in tune for that Spaces post-game on Saturday. That's going to be a fun one. Hopefully, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, even if it's not fun, it's still going to be fun. Uh, it's always a joy to talk to you guys. So make sure you're there and can give your takes, uh, however well or poor that game goes. But again, thanks for listening this week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Go Bearcats. Viva! La Cats! Hey there, folks. We at 1012 Network and Viva La Cats podcast have recently started a partnership with our good friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Co., and they are today's sponsor. So be sure to check them out because they are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, and they specialize in collegiate and hometown apparel. They have many, many offerings for over 30 schools. They've got all your Big 12 schools covered. They've got your original Big 8 schools. It is a very, very cool selection of clothing from them. They've got a lot of original designs that you really can't find anywhere else. And I think that the execution that they have there is honestly really, really cool. So they've got a lot of new stuff for, again, a lot of Big 12 schools. You can rep that school spirit all season long. We are still working on getting Cincinnati in there as well as we are the only Big 12 school left to conquer. But we are hopeful. We are very hopeful that we will be in there soon. But Regardless, go over to www.charliehustle.com and make sure to check that out. And I would like you guys to remember that there is a promo code, which is 101215, that is T-E-N-1215, which will get you 15% of all non-sale items. And that is good for this season. So please be sure to check that out. And remember, Charlie Hustle is vintage made fresh. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We'd like to welcome on to the show, and this will be a joint show today, with the Viva La Cats pod, the Cincinnati Bearcats fan podcast. We've got Justin Hiles and Stephen Maurer. I didn't even ask you how to pronounce your name. Is that right? Did I hit it? Uh, it's Maurer, but don't worry about it. You're good. <laughs> Well, we're here, fellas. Guys, we can't thank you enough for taking time to do this with us. Uh, this, should, this should be a fun one. Absolutely. We're glad to be on. Yeah, looking forward to it. And you you listeners, you'll hear Squid. Um, for Viva La Cats listeners, he's my one of my co-hosts. Um, he's actually taking this one from his vehicle. Squid, why couldn't you make it back home tonight to record? I'm at my dad's 60 softball league championship. I thought the games were seven innings long. Every game I've been to prior has been seven innings long, but I guess the championship is nine innings long. So a little late, <laughs> but I can see the field from here, and they're up 15 to three. If they lose, it'll be oh, nice. content. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you posted, maybe. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, let, let us know if uh, Paul hits any dingers out there. <laughs> Watch the windshield. But, we'll yeah, guys, I mean, we, we want to – kick it off with like the hard hitting question it's on every top of everyone's mind what what are your thoughts on losing the paddle wheel trophy to the river city rivalry um we will not be losing that uh because it's not on the line now i guess apparently no longer exists yeah so i mean i don't know apparently there was a mutual from what i read there was a mutual agreement that when the rivalry ended that it would not be passed back and forth anymore so we're glad to not have to give it to you and glad to not give you guys hope that you'll get it back either. Well, okay. Let's just be, let's just all put our cards out on the table here. Uh, do y'all consider Cincinnati a rivalry? I know it's been a while since we were in the same conference together. No, we had a couple good games against each other, but just as pit fans, do you consider Cincinnati a rival or obviously we're not on the level of, you know, West Virginia and Pitt or anything like that. But I'm just curious what you guys would have to say about that. I'm old enough to remember Marty Gilliard in the snow. And <laughs> that that alone puts them on my shit list. <laughs> Sorry, do you guys swear on my, your podcast? Yeah, Rush, all, okay, the time, okay. all the time. <laughs> Perfect. I say my toes still haven't thawed from watching Marty Gilliard that one fateful day in Heinz Field. So for that reason, I'd say yes. I think back then we were. Now it's tough to get hype for because you're right before West Virginia. So it's like, we know them. We're old buddies, but. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Maybe, maybe it'll be more personal for either side uh, following a loss. I think it's hard to really like feel it going into it, but you'll definitely feel it coming out of it. 
It's kind of like drinking, honestly. It's more like a hangover. You'll feel the hangover from the rivalry, and you'll hate one side, and the other side will be like, eh, yeah, I guess it's fine. But I, I would say from a Cincinnati side, I think that we we probably see it as more of a rivalry. I don't know. I mean, it's. I think we, there's still a little bit of like animosity there, just a little bit. I don't. I wouldn't say that it's you know even on the level of some of the current teams that we've been used to playing. But um, as far as like if you go back, it's like Pitt and Louisville. Like those are the teams back from our Big East days that were like, yeah, we don't like those guys as much. But especially Louisville, we really hate Louisville. Yeah, I, I think it loses a bit of its luster now that there's not the trophy on the line. I mean, I, I think every rivalry game should have a trophy. It just makes it yeah. better, especially when they're as ridiculous looking as the paddle wheel was. Yeah, the dumber um, the trophy, the better. Yeah, <laughs> completely agree. 95 pounds of glory. It should be lifted a high above either field, you know? I agree. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, looking at most of these old Big East teams, the teams we played in the Big East games, uh, I, I still feel like it feels like there's a little more history there. Like I know for us, like we Virginia Tech probably wouldn't consider us too much of a rival. Like they have Virginia, uh, they have some of those games. But for some reason, it feels like every time we play Virginia Tech, I'm like, I really want to beat this team because we do have the history that goes back a little further. Whereas now that we've been playing in the ACC, we've developed hatred for North Carolina. Right. Uh, Florida State and their fans, even though we don't play them all that much. But it, there is something special about these these old Big East matchups. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a little bit of that magic rekindled. I mean, we're, that's why we're excited just to be able to play West Virginia again, um, just to bring back some of those old memories. And I mean, you know, I'm sure there'll be some back and forth over the next few years, too. So if only we could get Pitt as well. I think that's definitely a marquee one. If we, I... <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna steer us into uh, realignment talk because that's gonna take way too long. But at the top of our list is Pitt in Louisville to steal from the ACC. Should the cookies crumble in the right direction? But you know, yeah, we've we've tried to put in a hard stop on realignment talk now that the season started. <laughs> but if David was here, he'd definitely he'd try to open up that <laughs> can of worms. But we're gonna we're gonna try to stay away from that too. But um. <laughs> Our just, official just statement is we will take, we'll go. We're accepted. That's our official <laughs> statement. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. No more realignment talk. I'm putting a, a stop on it right now. <laughs> um, but so can't learn too much from games against FCS opponents. Both of us uh, went through that last weekend, but what do you guys, can you give me like your 60 second, two minute rundown of what you guys felt coming into this season with so much turnover with Cincinnati and really what the expectations were for this program from, from a Cincinnati standpoint, I know big 12 media has you guys pretty low in the preseason rankings. They do the same thing to us every year in the ACC. So what, what was kind of the expectations for you guys as fans for this, this Cincinnati team? You want to take it, Steve? Sure. So um, I used the term uh, we were on a Kansas podcast last week. And I used the term measured excitement because obviously with the loss of Luke Fickle and the loss of a bunch of guys to the transfer portal, uh, the mood around the Scott Satterfield hire as well, as well, not many people crazy excited about him when he was first hired. Um, I, and I, I do think going into a tougher league, that lowered the expectations a little bit. 
if Fickle was still here, maybe people would be thinking it could be an eight, nine win team in the Big 12. Now, I think people will be happy with just getting to a bowl this year if possible. Um, so a couple things are changing in the conference. Maybe some teams aren't going to be as good as we thought they might be. I think it'll be interesting, though, to see what happens with Satterfield because, I mean, again, you can't really take anything from an FCS opponent, but they they looked good. Like, I, I, I got to temper the excitement, of course, but and I'm sure Pitt fans will say the same thing about their game this past Saturday. Um, and I think this is really a good test for Cincinnati to see what the level can be this year. You know, we really respect Pitt. Great team. Uh, obviously, 2021 ACC champions. Uh, Satterfield did beat them last year, even though he was at a different school. But I watched the highlights of that game, and it was just a crazy game. I don't really know if that came down to coaching or anything. It was kind of just nuts. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, though, and especially against a a former Big East rival. That's just something that everybody's looking forward to and excited about. Yeah, I I could say we were in attendance for that game against Satterfield last year, Um, and there's this guy named Keaton Slovis. He plays quarterback out at BYU now. He threw some of the most abysmal interceptions I've ever seen uh, through that game. And we turned the ball over a few times. And that was really, I think, for Pitt fans, I mean, we lost to Georgia Tech and Louisville last year. And those were the two low points for us. Um, pretty brutal overall. But So I'm not going to lie, playing Satterfield again scares me a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the things that we look at, too. Um, you know, going into a game like Pitt, I think, I think we were more nervous. Okay. How do I measure this? This is going to sound crazy at first, but I think we might've felt a little more nervous looking at it from the perspective of having a coach like Luke Vickle, who doesn't have that experience against Pitt. Not that if we had Luke Vickle still, that we would be scared to play Pitt, but I think having Satterfield, really made us a lot more confident going into that game, having a guy who knows their scheme and knows exactly what to do to play against Pitt. I, that's, that is such a huge advantage that a lot of teams who are having a first year head coach at their program are not going to have, uh, you know, so I think that's a major advantage for us in that wheelhouse, because not only that, I mean, Louisville fans, I'm sure will clip this and argue as much as they want, but you're taking a system that Satterfield had with pretty much all of the same staff, a lot of the same coaches, a a handful of those players as well. And you're upgrading the talent in a couple of those slots too, moving it over to another program. I mean, what's to say it wouldn't be more of the same, you know what I mean? In, In a game like that. And so I think there is a bit of advantage. However, I do respect the fact that I think Pitt does have, um, they've got a bit more going for them this year too. And so, you know, that I think is a bit of an advantage um, as well. But overall, like just having Satterfield in that game, I think is really, really clutch for us. Yeah. And I, I think for Pitt fans, I, I think there's going to be some worry. I know uh, some of the local media asked Narduzzi and his Monday presser, just like scouting a team that has all these different players and all these players from all over. You're not watching a team from last year and it's, you know, eight of these guys were on this offense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's it's kind of nerve wracking to think that we could walk into Acrisure on Friday or Saturday uh, night. And it's it's just a team that we're pretty much completely unfamiliar with. And then Satterfield has that tape on on past year's pit teams. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and that's well, the thing that I wanted to bring up really fast too, is because I've mentioned that on prior shows is that this, I think for the first, especially for non-conference, but for the first three to four big 12 games for us too on our schedule, that is the biggest advantage is because you have zero tape of Scott Satterfield Bearcats, except for what they put up against EKU. And, you know, sure, that's some of the system there. But what we showed at EKU is that we have eight guys who can score a touchdown. What we showed at EKU is that we can absolutely run over a team offensively. And yet we don't really know what that measure of our team is yet because we haven't played against a team like Pitt yet. And so not having that tape, I think, is also a massive advantage, which again... I think I'm not trying to talk myself into like there's certainty for Cincinnati, but it definitely feels a lot better going into this situation than I think Pitt fans might feel uh, looking at it optically. Yeah. Justin, would you not look at it? You can only look at it optically. There, well, there's yeah. no other way to look <laughs> at fans. You, literally, you can only look at that. I'm just kidding. Sorry. You can look um, at them introspectively. Uh, sure. Fair enough. I will say though, that uh, coach Satterfield did mention today about uh, because Narduzzi mentioned that Cincinnati's wide receiver room is really, really good. He did mention uh, Satterfield mentioned today in his press conference that he really respects the pit uh, defensive backs and corners room uh, mentioned a couple guys that were there when they played against Louisville in 2020, that got a couple that got a pick or two off of that Louisville team. So uh, I think there's just going to be a big challenge and especially we know uh, Coach Narduzzi from his time at UC when uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, so it's a uh, you know he he's a defensive minded coach and he's really going to try and stop us uh, any way he can. And you know just with the that power five talent and level, this is going to be the biggest bellwether mark. And I think it's good to have this right away just to see where we're at year one and if that bowl goal that I mentioned earlier is possible. Yeah, and. You mentioned the DBs for Pitt. I mean, Pitt brings back three corners who've played a ton of football. Uh, Mark Wes Williams, AJ Woods, MJ Devonshire. Three guys who've played a ton of football for them, played in ACC championship games. Uh, we are replacing our two starting safeties. Eric Howlett and Brandon Hill both got taken the NFL draft last year. And we've got two guys back there who've played a lot less football. Uh, so I don't know. what what What's the O-line look, situation look like over there? Because... Pitt's bread and butter on defense is always that that front four gets gets pretty ferocious. I mean, I think Cincinnati looks at that what exactly what you just said and feels the same way. Um, and, and so I think like O line wise, we still have a couple question marks as to how these guys are going to gel in a you know big time game, big time environment. Um, <clears throat> I, I think. You know, you're not necessarily returning a lot. You don't really have a lot of knowledge of these guys either. And so, you know, with with a lot of changes happening there, it's kind of hard to say confidently, like, this is how this is going to work out. But overall, I mean, against EKU, there was plenty of there was plenty of time, I think, on top of that any concerns that you might have in the O-line, I think Emory Jones does give you an advantage as well because he is very mobile. I mean, there were so many times where, you know, he'd take two steps back, go in a little spin cycle, and next thing you know, he's hucking a shot down the field about 40, 50 yards. And, and so having an O-line that may have some holes is definitely problematic, but having a quarterback that can maneuver some of those possible issues is definitely helpful too. So I think 
it, it's still a little bit up in the air. I think Pitt really, like Steve said, is going to be the big measuring mark for what to expect from this team moving forward. And to play devil's advocate to you, Justin, real quick, uh, Cincinnati did give up six tackles for loss and two sacks on Saturday against Eastern Kentucky. Um, obviously, they, they were in situations where their receivers could just be more athletic than Eastern Kentucky's players. So, again, this will be a good level for us. But, um, yeah, just just always been impressed with Pitt's defense and how they're able to muck it up and make it like just a defensive game where – if you know things are going the wrong way for Cincinnati, it could get really ugly on the defensive side. True, on the offensive side for Cincinnati, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the praise there, but this has been a little cordial for a for a game that's supposed <laughs> to be a rivalry game. He has a rivalry name in it. Uh, tell tell us why you you're gonna beat us. Who who are your top dogs? I mean, I know Emory Jones had seven touchdowns. I don't know if I'm completely sold on him uh, after watching him play at Florida. Uh, past couple of years but what, what what do you guys see and what do you guys think um are like if, if you gave have to give me three names like these are the studs on cincinnati's roster this year i mean so far if i'm gonna give my three uh you know whether you agree or not emory jones feels like a stud i mean it fcs or not putting up some numbers like honestly making some really accurate passes not making anything that was really dicey either finding guys out in the open. Like I, it was, he did a fantastic job of that um, this week. I, I would say <laughs> Xavier Henderson, that man, that man looks like he could ball out this year. I mean, and it's again, this is one of those things where you're figuring out how much stock you're putting in a game against EKU. But uh, you know, this guy clearly does have talent um, and there's a bit of familiarity there too. Um, and there's some chemistry. I think that's building in that wide receiver room. So, I think that's a big bellwether mark there. And I mean, honestly, a name that you're going to hear a lot, Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, Eric Phillips. Those guys are dogs. Like those three on that defensive side of the ball are going to, they're going to wreck shit. It's going to, you're going to hear those names for sure. Dante Corleone's an all-time football name. All-time football name. That's a good Can't one. Touch it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not to be too more cordial before we get back to the shit talk, but um, I know uh, Yins like to uh, put fries on your sandwiches and stuff. So Dante Corleone went at Skyline. He has his own order called the Godfather, where he puts you know the chili and cheese Toledo, and then he puts fries and habanero uh, and uses habanero cheese instead. So um, that and like just obviously the Godfather name is a big part of his thing. He's one of our big NIL athletes. He's got, uh, he's got his own burgers on pizza. Um, and it, soon enough, he'll have his own skyline order too. So, but yeah, he's, he's our, he's our big guy up front. Um, and also Justin, I would mention uh, Deshaun pace as well. Local mm-hmm. Cincinnati kid. who's going to be playing a little bit of that Rover position. Um, and he could get uh, out and break up some passes or blitz the quarterback so I do think that if Cincinnati's going to find a way to win this game, it's going to be that our defense is going to have to win the turnover battle, make a play, and get to Phil Dracovic, whose uh, feet look like they're trapped in the cement. <laughs> hey, he scampered for, what, a 24-yard touchdown this last? I mean, it was against Wofford, but uh, he, he scampered. I, I will say, looking at Phil, um, so I don't – you guys – no, he went to Notre Dame, played at BC, but he's a local guy to Pittsburgh, played at Pine Richland High School, and he was like 
the chosen one, like won a state championship, was all all state multiple years in a row. And one of his things was actually how athletic he was. And he was a super good hooper, like two hand dunking in seventh grade, like that type of freak athlete. Um, and now he just looks like he's just putting on as much weight as possible to be like a Ben Roethlisberger esque. Um, we, we did a golf outing and that Phil attended back in July and like seeing that dude, like he looks like a tight end. So um, the, that's the one thing we were, we were wondering like, can he still move? And it's not like you said, he doesn't look super nimble, but he's, he's doing the Ben Roethlisberger tossing defenders off, staying in the pocket, shaking guys off. He's going to be hard to bring down. So um uh, much like we're going to have trouble taking down Emory Jones. I think his is more just being a quick switch type guy. You guys might have some, some troubles trying to get Phil down, especially these early season games when you really haven't been allowed to hit quarterbacks yet. I mean, I know we had four sacks last week against Wofford, but it was also like guys are coming off the edge untouched. That's one thing I worry about is like, are these guys ready to get after a mobile quarterback, get a moving around? Well, I mean, if hitting Phil's anything like hitting Ben, you kind of just have to, you know, tap him just tap him and he's out no justin you know what ben was like (laughs) as scar Bengals fans we understand man like it took i don't know it might have taken six guys to get him down when he he was was like at his uh peak uh, no offense weight you know (laughs) it was just it was just hard to get him down man so um i i do think some of those guys we mentioned can get in the backfield um you know because you're gonna have to focus on at least two. And uh, another guy we didn't mention, but uh, Daniel Greziak, he's uh, he's going to be coming uh, as like that outside stand-up linebacker type of guy who will creep down and get Freak. on the line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he, could, he could technically maybe try and like just if you're focusing too much on Corleone and Briggs, maybe mm-hmm. Greziak just beats his man one-on-one and gets back there. But you just got to make sure you wrap up, hold on, like don't don't let him go because then that's where that's where plays break down and then obviously we just haven't seen this defense be tested like that yet. Well, and in a blitz situation too, you're always going to feel it coming from every side. But like, I, I think Cincinnati's pressure, especially in those kind of situations, when you have all of those guys that are that talented and can break through that line, um, it, it's it's going to come from all angles. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I, and this is a thing that I think EKU kind of exposed a bit. And we'll see how this goes against Pitt. Um, if you throw to the outside, if you throw, you know, a couple <clears throat> edge of the sideline plays, you're you might be okay. Like you might find some success there. Um, I mean, it, we'll see how that goes. I think there's a lot of opportunities for the Cincinnati defense to kind of lock down. Um, but right now, I think that's probably one of my larger concerns um, in sort of that short, quick passing play game if we can defend that well dylan i want to hear from you why are you guys gonna beat the crap out of us like you know (laughs) let let us have it man yeah so i think it really for Pitt. um a lot of the season leans on just what they can do in the trenches that we return a lot of experience on the o-line a lot of talent on those o-lines and then obviously as i said on the defensive line like charlie partridge uh we believe we lead the country in sacks since 2019. I mean, that's just part of how they play. It's all about getting after the quarterback and kind of causing havoc up front. Um, and I think the big thing for Pitt right now is I feel a lot better about 
where we are as an offense than we did last year. Um, Phil Dracovic played for Frank Signetti and had his best college season under Signetti at Boston College when he was the OC. Um, and we have a stable of running backs who I think can be really, really good. Uh, you look at Rodney Hammond. He was the number two guy behind Izzy Abanacanda last year. But um, before he got hurt in the backyard brawl, I mean, he kind of, kind of was taking over that game to kick off the season. And it looks like, you know, they only gave him five carries last Saturday. want to keep him fresh, but he looks like he has a little bit more pep in his step. And he's a guy who's been productive at the running back position since he was a freshman. I mean, he closed out the the win over Clemson in 2021 at home. Uh, they basically just rode him to victory in the fourth quarter as a true freshman. So um, between me kind of just feeling that the defense will figure it out just because Narduzzi seems to usually get it figured out with the defense. Uh, I think compared to last year, the team that the team that lost to Scott Satterfield had a quarterback that no one really believed in, in the locker room and didn't really mesh well at all with the offensive coordinator. So um, a lot of our hope is on that, that offense being a little more explosive, being a little bit more talented and having a quarterback that these guys have actually rallied, rallied around and believe can take them and win them games and also you have to come to pittsburgh for it uh, not that <laughs> i not everyone's gonna sit there and uh call us there's gonna be people calling out the yellow steets and heinz field and attendance state fans uh from the middle of the state of pennsylvania will probably be bragging about how many people show up to their game on saturday but uh you're gonna be in the north shore for about five hours with people tailgating game doesn't kick off till six 30. You're going to have some rowdy yinzers in that stadium. <laughs> CW game too. Like it's going to be, yeah, uh, yeah well, I can't believe it took us this electric. long to bring up. It's the first broadcast on the CW. You know, and I, I have not talked about this yet, but Steve, I think this does make the trifecta for Cincinnati because we've had the Facebook live stream uh, against Marshall back in, what was that? Uh, 2019? 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, we've had some other horrid streams, especially on the basketball end. I'm trying to think of what the other worst football stream would be. I'm hoping that the CW is not that case because, of course, for those of us who are uh, – Outside of that stadium, uh, we would like to watch the game, and hopefully it's good. Uh, if we can watch like any of the DC shows or perhaps uh, some reruns of some old CW shows, picture-in-picture, picture, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I saw we'll some tweets going around that uh, there were some other... I don't obviously it wasn't college football, but whatever was being broadcast on the CW, they were just like cutting away from it before the game was over. I think it was some <laughs> baseball games or something. So good luck to you guys. You're not going to make the trip in. No, I we're we're not in Cincinnati. I mean, so. Steve, you're in, what did you say? You're in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I'm out in Arizona and Justin is in Nashville, but um, our discord direct flights from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, you know, you gotta gotta check, make sure, you know, see what see what we got this week. Um, there are some people in our Discord though that are really excited about making the trip up and going to this game. I think that's one of the things that sucks about obviously we're really excited to be in the Big Twelve, but missing out on some of those local regional like drivable rivalries that people right. are really fans of. I mean, obviously, you know, Bengals fans and Steelers fans go back and forth every year. I think people do kind of miss that about having Pitt, Louisville, West Virginia in the conference and having a lot more easier games to get to rather than just having to take a flight to Texas or, you know, drive to Iowa. It's a little bit different. So <laughs> um, it'll be nice though, to 
be able to have some some fans there. I I just am excited to see what what this game looks like, and I'm just hoping for a, like a, a good game. I mean, obviously, I don't want us to get blown out, but um, I, I think a, a great game on the CW. Gilmore Girls coming on after the show, <laughs> uh, after the game. You know, what, what more could you ask for on college football Saturday? <laughs> what do you guys think of that line then? Minus seven is what I saw it at earlier today. I don't know if it's moved at all, but I saw <laughs> it at minus seven. That's uh, I, I think I think you're gonna want to bite on that if well, you're a Bearcats fan. But no, I, I so I I saw seven and a half today. I mean, if you if they're, you're oh, yeah. gonna get the half point, you got to take the half point. You know, I I do think that Pitt probably has the better talent and probably can win this game just from reading some projections and uh, looking at some roster and st- and such, but if you get a seven and a half line as a UC fan, I think you got to take that because, you know, there's a possibility that you could get run out of the building, but there's also a possibility that it could be a 21, 14, uh, 24, 17 type of game. And if you're within that seven and a half, I mean, great teams well, cover, you know, speaking of the 24, 17s of the world too, the, uh, the over under here is 47, which is very interesting because given that these two teams are very like, I think traditionally defensive minded uh, you would expect that it'd be a little bit of a lower score, but I'm, I'm curious to see what we get because we could either end up with a rock fight, which is really what I'm expecting, or it could just be a, you know, slinging one down the field, one down the field. I, I don't think that the defenses will really allow for that, but I do think personally that it's probably going to rely on the run game for Cincinnati. And it's probably going to rely on the passing game for Pitt. Um, and, and so depending on how that goes, We'll see, but I, I don't know. The the 47, I think, is enticing, too. I would probably take the under there if it were me. Um, but I did want to mention one other thing that I found recently. So if you look a little bit closer into the FPI ranking, so uh, Pitt sits at 28, Cincinnati sits at 30. Some really good opportunities there for either team for, um, you know, a, you know, a good quality win there. Uh, of course, we talk quality wins because this is uh, football season, uh, not basketball season. Um, but regardless... <clears throat> I saw that Cincinnati's bowl elig or like uh, you know six wins bowl eligibility percentage. I have no idea what it was at before, but given that the uh, sp- or given that the spread was like what was it five and a half? Was that was that the mark for the season, Steve? I think it was oh, five. Oh, uh, the right? over under. You mean yeah? Or, yeah, yeah five sorry, and a half. sorry. The over under was five and a half. The Bearcats are now sitting on ESPN's FBI for the uh, six wins mark at 85%. So there's been a lot of confidence instilled in there. And uh, Pitt's actually at 82, which I find very interesting because I do not think that that, uh, there was much confidence there for the Bearcats before they uh, flattened EKU. And now we're going to ride that into the sun, which actually for once the media, I think, gave us credit for beating an FCS team. And it seems they've done so for Pitt as well. Yeah, uh, man, they I think they had us at six and a half. Some of the some of the Vegas lines for our wins, and we're all sitting. Pitt fans were like, "All right, we're being disrespected again." There's great value here, but then looking at our schedule, I I think we're gonna get over six and a half. I just don't touch that because I'm mush, and whatever I bet on, the opposite will hit. I mean, Vegas has a funny way of doing that. So same yeah. with the minus seven for this game. I I don't think I'd touch that with a ten foot pole. 
Yeah, because they're just it's just in the too many variables there, and obviously uh, you don't really know what Cincinnati can bring in this type of game, and maybe it's a thing where if it's early and you know Pitt runs out to a quick fourteen nothing lead, you just bet the live line and just say okay, we're like That's it's it's starting here. So um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a a, a a gambling fan, I'll say you know uh, so. Definitely, Steve you know, has a gotta, problem. Uh, <laughs> a savant, uh, right, easy. You know. Savant. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. But yeah, I I do think if you, you don't like that seven line either way, uh, and something happens right away in the start of the game, definitely look on those live lines and see if you can get any additional value. Man, if if this game starts off. If this starts off with pit down, you I won't be pulling out my phone to place any bets. I'll be puking in my seat. Like I'm already nervous. It's there's something about like we play an FCS team and it's like we're worried about what we're gonna how we're gonna all get to the tailgate, what kind of food we've got going. Like, are, do we have the generator so we can watch the noon game in the parking lot? In this game, it's like it's Tuesday, and I'm like. I don't know. Did Emory Jones get it figured out? Is he <laughs> is he finally like six year Emory Jones gonna just light us up? So um no, I'm I'm super excited for it. I'm I'm glad Pitt's playing this game and like I know we want to make the trip to Cincinnati next year. It's an easy road trip, so it'll be cool to see. You know, I, I don't think I saw a single Wofford fan last week. I don't know that they exist. So <laughs> it'll be cool to see uh some former foes, friends, friends I'll put in air quotes there. Uh, with you guys, but frenemies, uh, frenemies, there it is. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for it. I think this should be a good one. I think the CW hit a home run choosing this as their first game to put on the network. But uh, do you guys want to give me a score prediction? Ooh, uh, Steve, lead off, lead off, so I can play off you. Okay. Well, if I wanted to be mean, Justin, and I'm not being mean, but if I wanted to be mean, I would say 45 to 44 Cincinnati wins. But uh, that's just All right, we're being, mean, yes. that's being mean. Yes. So, and I, I, I love the Bearcats too much, and I, I would not expect any person who's a fan of their team to really pick against them. So I'll say we win 20 to 17, late field goal. I respect that we do, we we typically don't pick against Pitt ever. It took <laughs> yeah. a lot last year when we so when someone finally did it, it was like a big ordeal. Like, should we do this or not? Yeah, <laughs> you're like calculating. You're like replaying it like five times in post, like wondering whether or not you should just edit it out. Yeah. Well, and then it, us in Cincinnati land, like we've been pretty spoiled over the last few regular seasons. I mean, we we didn't really lose many many regular season games until <laughs> last year, but like it was for a while there it was pretty sure bet that the Bearcats were going to win win on Saturday but now new league new harder competition we might uh I might be picking uh the Bearcats to not win a couple times this year <laughs> <laughs> well I will not be partaking in that tradition of uh not picking the Bearcats uh it will be the Bearcats on Saturday as far as I am concerned and I'm going to say like I said, I think it's going to be a rock fight. Do I think it's going to be a low-scoring rock fight? No, but I don't think the ceiling is very high. I'm going to put it at like a 20. I'm going to put it at like a, okay. 
giving concrete feet, Phil, we're going to go 26. It's going to be a weird score. 26, 21. I would say that's, that's going to be my, my final there. Well, just remember what you said about Phil come Saturday night when he, (laughs) when he's breaking one down the sideline. Uh, he's lighting us up for 70 yards on foot. I'm, I'm telling you, he's quicker. He's quicker than he looks. Uh, that, <laughs> that's funny. Your score was oddly close to what I had picked out. I was pretty much just going off. Vegas knows everything and I know nothing. And that seven, seven points, it'll probably be pretty close to that. And it'll probably be pretty close to the 46. I was going 26, 20. Uh, Pitt doesn't cover, but pulls it out. And like you said, I think it's going to be a weird game. It's, it's mm-hmm. still early. Neither team has played a power five opponent yet. And I think there's going to be some sloppy play. I think you're going to see a handful of turnovers and probably the difference is whatever team can take care of the ball a little better. So I, I'm going with my Panthers. I have to, uh, and my co-hosts aren't here to, aren't here to defend me or tell me I didn't pick them to win by enough. So 26, (laughs) 20, that's my final score. Hey, there you go, man. That's fair. That's fair. And if we get that, then, uh, the, the money coming in from the CW could could completely change the the trajectory of realignment in college football. But guys, I, I appreciate you guys so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, I know we had some technical difficulties on our end, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah really appreciated it. And then uh, we'll send you a picture of the paddle wheel if we do win on Saturday. Even I've, if I've... we don't, we'll send it to you so you can just know that you don't get it anyways. Does, does it still sit in a storage room somewhere? Do we know? Do we know the whereabouts <laughs> of the, it? I actually asked today, and a good person who would know told me it is in our business office. So uh, we don't have it out in front in display anymore like we used to back in the Big East days, but we still do have it. Uh, it's a little bit different than last year when Louisville had to ask a guy who had the keg of nails at his house to give it back to them. <laughs> and then like, I don't even know if that guy got it back or if it's still in the football trophy case, but um, well, and uh, let's be fair. I mean, I know Scott Satterfield didn't coach in that game, but law of transitive property. I mean, Scott Satterfield and Louisville staff went to Cincinnati. So shouldn't we have that back? That's only fair, right? Um, I, unfortunately we did not win the game, but you know, I mean, well, fuck it. Who cares? I want, yeah, I, don't, the, I want the keg of nails. I don't know what, uh, like how they how they do trophy rights with college football rivalries, but I do know that if when we win on Saturday, the loyal sons will be storming the business school at Cincinnati and demanding <laughs> the paddle wheel. Whether our administration cares for it or not, the fans want the paddle wheel, and we want it out front and center. Uh, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that someone's someone's going to get mad enough about this, and they're going to they're going to find a way to get it to the stadium on Saturday. You know what we'll do? We'll send you a picture of it with Steve polishing it with a terrible towel. <laughs> with a terrible towel. I can't touch that. Uh, can't well, touch no, with towel. gloves. You got to have gloves on with a, with my Bengal towel. How about that? Yeah, there you go. That's fair. <laughs> this has gotten sufficiently disrespectful. <laughs> fuck Cincinnati. Let's go. Pitt. Hey, fuck Pitt. <laughs> Perfect. Pitt. It's, it's a rivalry now. Yeah. I'm Pitt. Yeah. You guys asked us earlier. We consider Cincinnati a rivalry. If, if for nothing else, you too. There we go. <laughs> Sounds good. We did Sounds our part. Good. Justin. Yes. <laughs> Love it guys. Well, Hey, have fun watching the game on the CW. We'll be, we'll be front and center watching it. Uh, but thanks again. Can't, can't thank you guys enough. Thank you again. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Sports Social Podcast Network.